0: Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We continue our studies through the book of Revelation. I'm going to actually invite you to go to the book of Daniel once again as uh, we are kind of going back and making sure that we have the correct foundation as to how all of these events unfold and move forward into uh, where we will begin in chapter number four. We, Of course, uh, as we got into the book of Revelation, chapter number one, uh, God gave the, the Apostle John an outline of how to write Uh, this book. And it was a three-point outline, if you may. And all good preachers use three-point outlines, of course. Uh, But uh, it was a three-point outline that chapter one included that of uh, the things that he saw. Chapters two and three included the things that were or are. um, And uh, that is where we're at right now. And and we've discussed that in depth uh, in the past, and we won't belabor the point on that tonight necessarily. We will uh, kind of just recap it just quickly and and allude to it along the way tonight even. But then, beginning with chapter 4 through the rest of the book, is going to be the things that are after these things, the things hereafter, uh, where chapter 4 says, after this, and uh, as it begins. And so there you see kind of an outline of what we've already seen in picture form in how this all takes place. we Talked, we, we spoke about in uh, chapter two and three, those seven letters to the seven churches in Asia Minor. And uh, a prophetic aspect of those letters was to give uh, information as to different periods or times of the church. And so we discussed each and every one of those. We put dates to them. Now, listen, those dates are not hard line facts, of course. They're just uh, trying to give uh, kind of a, a thought or, or uh, a uh, an explanation of how those all th- those things could all unfold, and and how it could be a part of that. But these this is the times that are, and uh, since the church is still around, that means we're still part of the the times that are, uh, because as long as the church is, so will it be that time. But before we could move forward uh, into chapter number four, it was important that we move backwards and uh, to make sure that we um, are all on the same page of how this, this age of the uh, church came to being. And there's an, actually a, a greater or overarching age that this church age is part of. And uh, so we went to Daniel chapter 2, and, uh, and we discussed some of those things that are found there. And because uh, t- we, to be able to truly understand how God is going to bring an end to this age, which begins the events in, or begins with the uh, events in chapter number four. The ending of this age begins in chapter four, uh, and uh, this age ends with the return of Jesus Christ for His second coming. To understand it, uh, truly, we must understand how and and why we began in this age. And so give me that next slide there, Brother Robert, if you would. And uh, so this is the time we're in, the latter days, as we've discussed already, or the last days is uh, the time that we're in right now, specifically in the church age. But it's the last of the last, if you may, of this age, and that's where we're at tonight. Jesus called this age the, uh, the times of the Gentiles or the age of the Gentiles, and so that's what we've been uh, using as our, uh, our phrase or title for this time. But the age of the Gentiles has some specifics about it. Give me the next one, Brother Robert, if you would. Uh, the criteria for Daniel's kingdoms to be a part of this age "...is that it must be a Gentile kingdom, it has to be the dominant power of its day, it has to be able to defeat its predecessor, and it has to control or trodden or trample Jerusalem." We saw it began with Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, as we've already discussed, and it's gone forward with the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and what we are using, a combination of an imperialistic democratic alliance. And, uh, and so we saw that in chapter 2 with the uh, statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his vision, and uh, gave us some information, and, and uh, seen, saw how that all laid out. But the main thing to realize from Daniel chapter number two is that as long as we are waiting for Christ, we are going to be in that period of Gentile domination. And while even there are Jews today in Jerusalem, and I mean, the the Jewish people are their own nation even today. What a historic time that was. Was it 48, 1948, I believe it was. And uh, But uh, even where the Temple Mount is, is not even under their control right now. The, the Muslims control that with the Dome of the Rock. And so, it's still under oppression. It's still trampled, if you may, in that way also. Give me the next slide there, if you would, please, uh, Brother Robert. And so, then we went to chapter 7, because Daniel 2 gave us a timeline of events, but the, Daniel chapter 7 gave us some criterias or characteristics. Of these different kingdoms that will be part of this age. And it started with that lion with the wings, and of course, that was the representation of Babylon. Then the second one, of course, was. Uh, the bear, and uh, that was the Medo-Persian empire. The third one, uh, that of the leopard with wings as well, and and uh, that represented the Greek empire is how it quickly it came into prominence like a, the, the speed of a leopard, but like a leopard that could fly and uh, with wings and such. And, and then, of course, the four wings probably uh, we could say would give uh, uh, insight to the fact that when Alexander the Great uh, passed that his kingdom while remaining one was divided into four segments, and so the four wings that represent that as well. Then the last one that we see, just like He said in the statue about the, the feet and, and the toes, that it was unlike any other kingdom, that it broke apart and came back together and broke apart again and came back together, and, and, uh, and uh, they, they, they stuck together as best as possible, but there was a division of ten with the ten toes. Well, then we saw this beast, right? And uh, it's, it's so much different than the rest of the kingdoms that Daniel doesn't use a specific animal that we could see. Now, I understand a tiger with, with wings is not normal for us in our day and age, but at least we can picture a tiger, and we can picture what it might look like to put wings on it. But this last kingdom, he used an illustration of a beast, and it was so much different. It was so vastly different that uh, he couldn't really put words to it. He couldn't give a a visual illustration to it as as something that we could... Used today anyway. So he called it a beast, and he said it had 10 horns, and out of the 10 horns came an 11th, and and all of those things uh, were beginning to unfold. And so give me the next one, Robert, and we discussed that last week. And so what we were able to say is Daniel 7 and the four beasts in Daniel 7 actually help us to confirm uh, the Daniel 2 kingdoms, and it emphasizes the importance of the fourth kingdom over the others because that's going to be the end. And in fact, that's where we're at today anyways. And it reveals that the fourth kingdom progresses through a series of leaders. At the very end of this last kingdom of this age, there will be 10 leaders that will come to power. Now, right now we discussed well over 200 different nations or whatever with their own sovereign leaders and such. And honestly, that's a little. It's different than what history has had in the past. This is kind of a newer uh, uh, situation than in the past, where there'd be one or three or five leaders, but things will kind of come full circle again, where there will be 10 major powers in the world. Then that 11th one comes on the scene. He kind of comes out of nowhere. He's like a nobody, but he comes and he, he, he asserts his dominance. Apparently, three of them don't like what he's doing, so he makes quick work of them. It doesn't tell us exactly what he does to them, but Daniel said in this vision that the uh, 11th horn takes three of them and, and takes, you know, just wipes them out, and so the other seven jump on board as if to say, I saw what you did to those three, and we don't want that. And, uh, and so that's where you see there that there's 10 minus 3 equals 7 plus the 1, which is the 11th horn. Give me the next slide there, please, Brother Robert. And so we put it all into a picture. And what we've seen so far, Daniel 2, Daniel 7, uh, the, the statue and the beast are explaining the same thing. They're explaining the same kingdoms where Daniel 2 was a, more of a timeline. Daniel 7 is more of characteristics of, of those kingdoms, but now, hindsight being 2020, uh, we can go back and we can kind of see where these kingdoms were, who they were, and actually put times to them. And so Babylon, of course, came on the scene in 605, and then they were, uh, they were conquered by medo Persian in 539, and then the Greeks conquered medo Persian in 331, and, and then the Greek empire came to an end with the Roman empire there in 63 BC, and uh, that's where we're at. Still today, And so the church age fits somewhere into that, but we're still lacking a little information. We don't have all the details as to why, okay? Why is this last kingdom going so long? Uh, why is there a church, this church age that we've discussed with these seven different times of the church age? How does this all enter, enter into this? Why is it important? And how can we understand this before we move into the end of it as well? And thankfully, there's a portion of Scripture that helps us with that. And uh, we're trying to get back to to Revelation chapter 4 so that we can continue on and finish up the end of those matters. But before we do that, we want to conclude the foundation of why we're where we're at And thankfully, another chapter in the book of Daniel gives us that information, and this time it's Daniel in chapter number 9, and that's where we'll go tonight. Uh, Do I have another slide that I'm skipping there, Brother Robert, before? Yeah, okay. we we add a little more to the outline there, picture-wise. And so John saw the things that he saw in chapter 1 towards the end of the first time frame of the church age, 95 AD or so. Um, but it was all but then the church age was the age that are, and then hereafter is when the church is gone, but it all is part of the age of the Gentiles, as we have been discussing already, so thankfully, Daniel Chapter Nine gives us the timing of these events and lets us put the church in its proper perspective in this age that we call the age of the gentiles and so uh, first thing I want you to notice tonight as we go to Daniel 9 in verse number 1. Let's read in verse number 1. We'll just read a few to get things going as we make our way through the chapter. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel... Understood by books, the number of the years where the word of the Lord, aware of the word of the Lord, came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish seventy years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now let's pray, and then we'll jump right into things tonight. Our Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your goodness. I need you now to help me as we would uh, be able to traverse this this scripture, and uh, that it would be uh, applicable, understandable and, uh, and the, Lord, that it would be done in a timely fashion tonight. I ask that you'd speak through me and guide me. Give, uh, give us the ability to hear from your word. Holy Spirit, guide us through it to all truth. Help us now, Lord, to honor you and glorify you in all that is done, that you will be accomplished. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we are going along here tonight, uh, you will probably recall some of the things we discussed from when we went through the book of Daniel, if you were here through that study. Um, but anyone who was not, you'll, you'll, you, will, uh, you will be helped greatly by this time of setting up this foundation before we go any further. I want you to notice, number one, tonight, as we look at verses 1 through 3 again, uh, we see first Daniel's confusion. As we look at verses 1 through 3, I just read them, and uh, verses 1 and 2, let's read verse number 3, and it says, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Daniel here is in the first year of Darius the Mede, uh, and uh, he is now the king of of the empire, if you may. That means that the Medo-Persian empire has just taken over that of Babylon. Now, interesting to note is that Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, from the time that they took uh, Jerusalem, finally trampled it, took the captives and such, they they reigned for roughly just over 69 years. Daniel went into captivity as a young man, roughly probably 14 years of age, maybe a little earlier, maybe a little later, but somewhere in those mid-teen years, and uh, so for 69 years, he was in captivity. So Daniel's an old man now. Daniel has spent his entire, entire adult life in Babylon as a slave, even though he's had prominence, even though he has had authority, he's been still a man in a foreign land. And uh, almost his entire life has been spent that way. And the Bible tells us that it's at this time, in that first year of, uh, of Darius' reign, or the reign of the Medes and the Persians, that Daniel's studying and he's reading from the books. Now, those books, of course, we have to come to uh, the, the conclusion that that is Scripture, because he says that as he's reading through the books, he came to know the, uh, the, the number of the years which came by the word of the Lord by Jeremiah. And so it's interesting to note that Daniel is reading Scripture. I think that ought to be an encouragement to every believer today, that if a prophet needs to read the Word of God, it would be good for us to read the Word of God as well. Another thing to note is the fact that Jeremiah was a contemporary of Daniel. They lived around the same time. Now, Jeremiah's work would have probably been written maybe a decade or even two before this time where Daniel is reading it. But regardless, Jeremiah is a contemporary. He lived the same time as Daniel did. He wrote around at the same time that Daniel was alive. That goes to show that it that when, when Scripture is given, it's easily understood to be known as Scripture. We don't have to wait hundreds and or, or even thousands of years for a group of scholars to get around and say, I found this writing and it must be Scripture. I mean, Daniel recognized Jeremiah's work as Scripture. Even Peter, in 1 Peter, he talks about Paul. While Peter and Paul are both alive, he speaks about Paul's writings being Scripture as well. I'm just here to tell you, my friends, that God's Word is powerful, and all Scripture is given by inspiration. And, uh, and, and if God has given it, it is going to be there. It's gonna, we're going to have it, and that's how good God is. And, and Daniel's reading it, and so and he has it. And uh, and we have it today, so let's, let's let's prize it, let's cherish it like Daniel did as well. But as Daniel reads Jeremiah, and he's trying to make this interpretation into all that's going on, I'm under the persuasion that he makes a mistake as he's reading through this. And here's why: because. Um, but before I go any further, that I think that's another moment of encouragement for us as well. Because if Daniel, a prophet, can misread or misinterpret scripture then uh, who are we to think that uh, if we mess up or don't understand right off the bat that, oh man, I, can't, I, I, just, I need to just put it away? So long as we're willing to receive the correction. And we're going to see that in just a moment uh, that Daniel receives that. But he reads that the number of years that are appointed of the completion of Jerusalem's, Jerusalem's desolation is 70 years. And uh, he says that in verse number 2, he says he's reading these books, and he's read where the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years of desolation of Jerusalem. Now, here's Jeremiah's words, Jeremiah 25, 11 through 12, says, "...and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the kings of Babylon 70 years." And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, uh, for their inequity and uh, the land of the Chaldeans uh, and the land of the Chaldeans, and will make it perpetual desolations. So we remember that when Nebuchadnezzar finished invading Jerusalem and taking captive, the city was literally destroyed. I mean, it was rubble. And the walls were down, the temple was uh, completely uh, crushed, and every Jew was actually driven from outside the the, the city itself. None remained according to what the book of Ezekiel tells us. Jeremiah says that the desolation of Jerusalem was to last 70 years, and that must have triggered Daniel to remember something else he had read. In fact, notice verse number two with me. Daniel says that in this first year of the reign of, uh, of Darius, I, Daniel, understood by the what? The books. That's plural. That's more than one. He specifically says that one of the books is Jeremiah, but more than likely because Daniel was a student of the law as well, that uh, he probably remembered something that he had read or was reading at that time anyways from Leviticus 26. Because in that chapter, the Lord promised to set Israel outside of the land if they were to disobey the land's Sabbath requirements. Here's what Leviticus 26:32 through 34 says. "'And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you. And your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths, as long as it lieth desolate.'" And uh, ye be uh, in your enemy's land, even then shall the land rest and enjoy her Sabbaths. See, in the law, the nation of Israel was required to allow allow the land to go unplanted and unharvested every seventh year. And the way that the Lord would provide for the Jews when they wouldn't take any crop on the seventh year is when they planted the sixth, they plant like normal, but he'd give them a double harvest, a a double increase. And so they would plant and reap year one, plant and reap year two, plant and reap year three, four, five, and then they would plant just like they had in the previous five years on the sixth year. But instead of getting what they planted, just the amount that they planted, God Supernaturally blessed them and gave them double the amount so they could take the extra, store it, so that when the seventh year came along, the land could rest and give it its Sabbath and they would still have means to live by. And so the people of Israel began to do this and see God bless. But being sinful human beings like we all are, they're like, hey, I got an idea. If we uh, continue to do this and do on the sixth year like we have, we're going to get double. But what if we go ahead and plant? And reap on the seventh year as well. So that's what they started doing. And interestingly enough, they did that. And they did that for 490 years. Tell me God isn't gracious and merciful. But for 490 years, the people of Israel broke the law of the land Sabbath. And it's interesting that when you consider... Every seventh year out of 490, that equals 70. So that meant that God was going to punish them for 70 years... For breaking the Sabbath, this land Sabbath, for four hundred and nine years. So Daniel here is putting two and two together. He's right in all of that. Okay, he's right in the fact that the reason why they're in Babylon, the reason why there's seventy years of uh, of uh, punishment. He's right about all of those things as he puts two and two together and he and he considers all of that. But in so he's thinking that hey, I've been here sixty nine ish years. We're about to come to an end of this thing. Now, Jeremiah did specify that the period for the land rest was 70 years, but Daniel assumed a little too much. See, specifically, Daniel assumed that the 70 years was going to be the entirety of the age of the Gentiles. He assumed that, the, that 70 years was going to come bring, bring an end or to fruition the entirety of Daniel 2's statue that it would bring to fruition or the entirety of Daniel 7's four beasts and such. And so Daniel assumed that once Israel had paid its penalty uh, in Babylon, that they would be able to return to the land, which was true, they would. In fact, here, it's interesting that Darius was the first one, but then uh, just, a, just a year or so after that, Cyrus would take over and Cyrus would make a decree allowing the, the people of Israel to go back to Jerusalem if they chose to, to rebuild and all those types of things. So 70 years went by where they could not go into the land, and after 70, they did go back But that didn't bring an end to the age of the Gentiles like Daniel thought. You say, preacher, why do you think that he is thinking that? Because notice number two tonight, Daniel's confession. In verse number three, and then it's specifically in the verse number four, it says in verse three, I set my face unto the Lord uh, God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting sackcloth and ashes. And notice what he said in verse four. And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and I made my confession and said, O oh Lord, the great and dreadful God, uh, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to, keep the, uh, to them that keep his commandments. Notice what he says in verse 5. We have sinned and have committed iniquity um, and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. See, Daniel launches into this long confessional prayer at this point, praying not only for himself, but for the entirety of the people of Israel. And to help move that process along, uh, Daniel enters into this confessional prayer because he's thinking that this this 70 years is going to bring a conclusion to where they're going to be able to go back home and this new kingdom, the kingdom that will be reigned by God here on this earth will come to fruition then. But why did he pray this way? Because we find in Leviticus chapter 26 again, where we just read about the Sabbaths and such, and a little later on in the the chapter, Leviticus 26 verse 40 and 42 says this, if they shall confess their iniquity, and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespasses, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham, Uh, will I remember, and I will remember the land. See, when he spoke about the punishment for breaking the land Sabbaths, he said if they would confess that he would respond and bring forgiveness, what is Daniel doing right here in, from verse uh, 4 through 19? He's asking, he's making confession. He is, uh, he's praying on behalf of the entirety of Israel because he thinks that this is all coming to an end and that they're going to come and uh, this new kingdom is going to be established. So as Daniel reads these words, he correctly recognizes that the 70 years of Israel's captivity in Babylon was a penalty for their ignoring the land Sabbaths But he added to that to think that the end of the age of the Gentiles was going to come to an end. Notice verse number 20 and 23 with me now as we see number three tonight, Daniel's correction. So Daniel, he's reading these books. Uh, He's reading Jeremiah, probably Leviticus as well. He's trying to put all of this together together. And he begins to pray on behalf of Israel and say, God, please hear my request. Please bring us back. And and we're looking forward to your kingdom and so on and so forth. And and notice what verse 20 says. In verse number 20, it says, And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, that, word, that phrase, holy mountain of my God, is, uh, is a phrase re- re- referencing uh, that kingdom, the, the millennial kingdom, if you may, is what we would consider it today, or the kingdom that God would reign in. But verse number 21 says, Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, be- uh, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the 11th ablation, And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel. I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. So as Daniel's praying, he, he's waxing eloquently for uh, the people of Israel saying, Lord, please hear our request. Please hear our confession. And as he's doing this, God is seeing all this take place. And, and I can just picture it. God calls Gabriel over. And he says, hey, Gabriel, Daniel, he's, he's misinterpreting it. He's not getting it quite, quite right. I need you to go now. Notice what he says. He tells them to fly swiftly to touch him. It, wasn't like, it was like, I need to get his attention right now. And Gabriel comes and gets Daniel's attention, and he says to Daniel these words, and here's how I hear it being said by the, the, by the angel Gabriel. He, he gets Daniel's attention. He says, oh, Daniel, <laughs> you've done well in the past, but oh, Daniel, you're missing it on this. Oh, Daniel. I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. It's one thing to have an opinion, but your, under, your opinion needs to be correct. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us today as believers. When we read the Scripture, we might come to an opinion on the matter, but the Holy Spirit gives us an understanding. He guides us into all truth. And that's what the angel Gabriel is doing here for Daniel So now notice tonight, fourthly, Gabriel's clarification as we close out the chapter. He tells Daniel that 70 weeks have been appointed uh, for Daniel's people, not just merely 70 years. And so give me that next slide, if you would, please, there, Brother Robert. And so notice there, verse number 24, he says this, he says, "...70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city." to finish the trans- transgression, to make an end to sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Let me just quickly, s- uh, as, e- as simply as I can, summarize that. Daniel read 70, uh, uh, the, he saw 70, right? 70 years. He knew 70 years was coming to an end. He realized that the time in Babylon was punishment for those 70 years of Sabbath that they had, they had um, they, the law they had broken. Unfortunately, he added to that the age of the Gentiles. So A- Gabriel gives explanation here. He says, it's not 70 years, Daniel. It's actually 70 weeks. Okay, hold on now just a minute. You say, I'm sitting here, I'm listening, I follow along really well up to this point, but 70 weeks are shorter than 70 years, so shouldn't this have all come to a conclusion? Well, that's what we have to come to a conclusion to meaning That term weeks there in your Bible is the Hebrew word shavat. That Hebrew word shavat just literally means sevens. It just means sevens. And so when we come to a conclusion as to what does this mean, Is it 70 days, 70 weeks, or 70 months, or 70 years? So 70 sets of seven equals what? 490, as you see on the screen. So is that 490 days, 490 weeks, 490 months, 490 years? Well, we spent a lot more time back when we went through the book of Daniel explaining this. But just for the sake of time, it has to mean years. That, that 70 weeks has to mean 70 sets of seven years, which would equal 490 years. And it turns out the 490 years is counted in a unique manner. And Gabriel gives us the way that he, he counts them in verses 25 through 27. Daniel's 70 weeks, if you may, are counted in three blocks um, the first block runs from the issuing of a decree to rebuild the city until the, re- until the rebuilding is complete. And, and that, of course, happened when Cyrus said that the people of, of, of Israel could go back. So the first section lasts seventy sevens or 49 years. Let me ask you a question. Um, if we were to go back and check in, in, in history and all of that, we would find that um, uh, that from the time that Cyrus made that decree to the time that the temple was uh, completed, it took how many years? Well, 49, it, it, if, in case you've never studied it out or thought about it or forgot about what we talked about uh, when we studied the book of Daniel. So that's the first block. The second block runs, though, from the rebuilding of the city until the Messiah. Because notice, uh, let's look at verse number 26, no, 25. Uh, it says, knowing therefore and understand that that going forth to the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem and the Messiah, the prince shall be seven seven weeks, uh, and three score and two weeks, the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troubles times. After threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. That is a reference to Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. And so the second block is 62 weeks or a total of 434 years, which ends with the Messiah being cut off or his deathbed and resurrection. Uh, so the total years from the decree for, to the Messiah's death will be 69 sevens or a total of 483 years. That means from the time that, that the decree was made for the temple to be rebuilt to the time that Jesus died, was 493 years, and that means that there's only seven more years before this is all complete, according to Gabriel. Here's the kicker, though. We all know that it's been more than 490 years since that time to where we stand today. So, what happened? Well, it, this implies that there must be some type of a break that's going on. Give me the next slide, if you would, there, please, uh, Brother Robert. And let's look at some of these verses. In verse 25, and we've got it with the, with the yellow there, everything in yellow is represented by that first set of sevens, uh, those 49 years uh, from the time the decree was issued to the time that the walls were finished. Everything in verse 26 in green is representing uh, up until that time where Jesus would die. But if you look at verse 25 and 26, there's this continuation in it. There's these words that connect. Notice what it says. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and 42 weeks. The street shall be uh, built again and the wall even in troublous times and after He says three score in two weeks, and so we find this continuation in all this. But then verse number twenty-seven comes along, and it says, "And he shall confirm the covenant." There's not really any connecting words. There's nothing that connects twenty-seven with twenty-five and twenty-six in a time frame. So it implies that there's a break or a pause in our timeline, and we're told that that pause or break ends with a signing of a covenant with the one and many for a total of a seven-year period. Once that covenant is signed, the pause ends, the final seven years begin, and uh, that one at the end of that seven years, that one will ultimately meet it, his end, and, and it will be completed. But here's what that covenant consists of. That covenant consists of allowing grain offerings and, and sacrifices again. Let me ask you a question. What people what nationality of people or people group would even be concerned with being able to offer sacrifices and offerings and such? It'd be the Jewish people. So this covenant is not the covenant that was made with Jesus and all the world when he died for the sins of mankind. This is a covenant that has not been done yet. This is a covenant that will be made with the one main power and with the Jewish people that will establish it. And we don't have time to go into it, but three and a half years or halfway through, he'll break that covenant. And, uh, and we'll see all of that unfolding as we go through the rest of the book of Revelation. So here's the question though, all right? We've discussed all of this. We're getting kind of this time frame. We're seeing how it all fit, figure, is, is filling out and how it all fits together. But where does the church fit into this plan? So give me that next slide if you would, Brother Robert. So here's, if we put it in a timeline. The decree's issued, seven years goes by, or seven sevens, I'm sorry, 49 years, and so, uh, so uh, the walls are finished. Then we've got, the, we've got 62 sevens uh, and, uh, before Jesus dies, and then there's this pause, and we're still in the middle of that pause, and then there'll be a, a starting again of this timeline, and these last sevens, uh, this last sevens will start, or these last seven years, this last seven will start these last seven years. So where does where we are at in the church age fit into all of this on that timeline? How does it fit? Interestingly enough, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 11, and uh, he says in verses 7, 11, and 25, these words, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it. The rest were blinded, I say then. Have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather... Through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness is part, in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles is come. This pause has happened, and this blindness has come, So that the fullness of the Gentiles could be completed or come. At at Christ's first coming, the nation of Israel hardened themselves to their Messiah. He came unto his own, and his own received him him not. But this God-intended stumble for Israel was not intended to bring them to ruin, But instead, they were hardened or prevented from receiving Christ so that salvation could come to all the world, to all the Gentiles. And God was just in doing this. God was just in allowing this to happen uh, because of the old covenant terms. The covenant agreement, which Israel themselves voluntarily entered into with God, required penalties from the nation if they failed to keep the law. And notice what Gabriel told Daniel was the purpose of this time of punishment. In verse number, uh, let's see, in verse number 23, the beginning of the supplication, the commandments came forth, and I came to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved, the understanding of the matter, consider the vision, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, upon thy holy city. Why? To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, the seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. This time that is taking place, and Israel is being punished, if you may, is to accomplish these ends, as Gabriel says in verse number twenty-four. So the age of the Gentiles is extended from an unknown peri- for an unknown period of, the, of time during this pause. While the Lord is making room for the church. So give me the next slide there, Brother Robert. Where does the church fit into this whole timeline? Right there where the pause is. Why is there a pause? So that God could use the church to evangelize the world. He came to his own. They received him not. And so God has chosen to use you and I as part of this assembly, part of his family, part of his work to go and to propagate the gospel. Also, we learned that 490 years that, count, uh, that, 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 time, that, that counts the times uh, that uh, will unfold comes after the land Sabbaths. See, Jeremiah said that Israel would be outside the land long enough for Israel, the land to enjoy their complete Sabbath of 70 years. So while they were in Babylon, no one farmed in Israel at all. Give me the next slide. So that 70-year uh, time frame... While they're in Babylon represents uh ten sevens, if you may, right? So seventy years. A, a, a seven equal you know, and so that seven year seventy years. Seven uh sevens uh was from the time that the decree was issued to the wall that was finished, sixty-two sevens until Jesus died. Then there's this break, this pause, if you may, until. That last, that covenant is made, and the completion of destruction of of, uh, of of God's enemies will come, and that last seven that still is left. So we're in that middle of what we're calling what what Paul called the the uh, fullness of the Gentiles. So these the seventy sevens were appointed for entirely different reason than the reasons that were given by Gabriel as well. See, we find that. After all, the two are combined. There's 77s, 490 years, plus the 10 sevens before that, while they're in Babylon. that's 87s uh, 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 in, in completion. So we have uh, we have altogether two co- combined, equal-link times of the age of the ancient Gentiles, which equals 87s. The first sevens, there, 10 of them, 70 years. You know what? It's an interesting side note if you take any consideration into numbers in the Bible. Ten is the number of testimony. And it was ten sevens that the nation was outside of the land. That was the testimony that God gave that they would be punished, that they would experience. Seven is the number of completion, right? So 70 years would be used to complete the end of Israel's sin under the Old Covenant. Altogether, the total is 80. If you take any stock in the numbers in the Bible, the number eight is a number of new beginnings. So when it comes to an end, seventy sevens from the Persian empire until the kingdom begins, plus the 10 sevens while they were in Babylon, 80 or eight, a new beginning. A new beginning will truly happen with the new kingdom the millennial kingdom that Jesus had, will bring. So let's just quickly review as I close what we've learned from Daniel so far. Give me the next slide there, Brother Robert, if you would, please. Uh, the next one after that, I'm sorry. God established the age of the Gentiles to judge Israel for the disobedience, their disobedience to the old covenant. The age began with Babylon, continues until Jerusalem returns to establish a Jewish kingdom. That'll be done with the millennial reign of Christ. The age concludes with a single world leader persecuting the saints until he's destroyed by Christ's return, as we saw the rock destroy the statue at the end, and so on and so forth. The age will last 490 years apart from a long pause while the Lord works with the Gentile church to bring as many as He will to Himself. And when the fullness of the Gentiles has come, then the final sevens may begin with that covenant that this one world leader will make with the Jews that he will ultimately break. And so we find that, that all of this is unfolding and we see that, we're beginning to see why the church is even here. Okay, why, why are the things that are important? Because God has chosen to use the church to get the gospel to the world at large so that whosoever will, can be saved. He worked with Israel. He's expect he's 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 bringing some judgment against them because of the covenant that they voluntarily made with him. When this time that we're in comes to an end, he will then restart the clock. Those last 7 years will begin with a covenant that Israel makes with the one world leader. He will break that covenant three and a half years in. All turmoil will turmoil will just cut loose in those last three and a half years, and it will ultimately be ended with uh, with uh, with Jesus uh, destroying his enemies, setting up his kingdom. So we see where we're fitting thus far as we've gone backwards. But why? How do we come out of this thing? Right? Because. We, the church age ends with the beginning of the last sevens, right? I mean, because we're not even there any longer. He switches his view back to dealing with the Jews and so on and so forth. So how does that all work? Well, when we come back, we will begin to start making our way into chapter number four, and we will begin to see how the church exits and all this begins to unfold. And so chapter four through chapter 22 of Revelation encapsulates those last seven years, that last seven, if you may, that last week, as it says in Daniel there, and and gives us some insight into what will be coming ahead. Now, here's here's the, the fact of the matter, though. Once we start through that, and with laying this groundwork, you say, I don't understand why you went back and went through all this stuff. Many of us heard this already again. I want you to be able to know this And I want you to be able to have it settled in your heart because there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of fighting about when the church goes. Is it before? Is it mid-trib? Is it after the tribulation? All those types of things. And honestly, when we go to the Scripture, I believe with all my heart, when we go to the Scripture and look at it as it says and rightly divide the word, it is going to be just plain as day. And when somebody comes along and tries to speak otherwise and tries to confuse you or tries to fight with you or whatever, you can just plainly speak, here's what Scripture states, and there doesn't have to be any argument. And uh, we lay this groundwork to help us make sure that we are on a solid foundation, not just, well, my preacher said this, but that we can go back and say, we've studied this through the Scripture to lay this foundation. Father, we do thank you for your goodness and for your word. I'd ask that you just help us now to be able to uh, just to rightly divide your word. Holy Spirit, guide us through it. And Lord, we just ask now that you be on and glorified through it all. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think there was one more slide. If you want to throw that one up there, Brother Robert, it's just an overview with some, a few things added there. So that after is what I've been just talking about, those last, that last seven or those last seven years. Um, and uh, so we will be getting into that as we get into Revelation chapter number four. If you have heard,